welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with a special guest host, Shushmit Paul. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how to better enable your remote workforce. And today's episode is sponsored by Dell Technologies, creating technologies that drive human progress. Learn more about Dell Technologies' suite of healthcare solutions at delltechnologies.com healthcare. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and my personal account at TechGuy and the Dell Technologies account at Dell EMC Health. Plus, check out our 14 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So the first time we've ever had a guest host, welcome, Shishman. Yeah, thank you, John. I'm very glad to be here. I'll uh, try uh, to impersonate like Collins and make it engaging. And uh, <laughs> But I'm very, very glad to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, doing this with you. That's awesome. Well, uh, it should be a great conversation. I think the remote workforce has become an important topic for everyone. So let's let's hop right in. Uh, how can you know? Can we really be as productive remotely, uh, you know, as we were in the workplace? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great question, and it kind of brings about the complexity of the the topic. You know. I was reading an article from uh, on CNBC that uh, just recently um, that said um, if you if productivity is measured by the number of hours we are putting in, then then yes, we are. It it seemed like uh, on an average uh, people are putting in three more hours of work uh, since the middle of wow. March of this year. But you know, as you know, that it's uh, productivity is not the same as number of work hours. And so how productive or how, how much are you getting done is the real question. And, and it, it, it just depends on a lot of different things and uh, different people have, uh, based on how much we have been accustomed to it, can also have different levels of productivity. So we, for one, I know you might be in the same uh, boat, but I've been working remote for the past uh, almost seven years now. And... Uh, you know, my personal experience, it took me some time to figure things out as to how, how do I, um, you know, how do I effectively collaborate with my teammates who are geographically dispersed? How do I have a meaningful engagement with my customers um, without physically being in the room with them? So uh, I think it's definitely possible, but it requires a combination of things. Um, you know, technology certainly has a pretty big role to play. And, and but beyond the technology, there is there is definitely an aspect of uh, my home office environment, right? I mean, can I get the uh, same level of uh, focused and uninterrupted work time in my home as I get in my office? Obviously, I have my kids running around, and there are uh, <laughs> Netflix streaming and video games being played at the same time. I'm having my video conferencing. So how does that? home office setup uh, enable me to be productive. Then also, I think we need to think about, you also need to think about the, the, the whole training aspect of it, 
right? Not everyone is uh, up to speed with all the tools and we ourselves are using at least three different types of uh, collaboration tools, you know, some Zoom, some Microsoft Teams, maybe WebEx. And so just the training aspect is, is important. And then, the, then the, another really important one is the process. And I think organizationally, uh, do you have the right processes to enable a remote workforce? And it goes into things like, uh, do I have a IT help desk that can help me remotely? Do I have a self-service portal that I can go and get answers to my most frequently asked questions? So I think it's a combination of things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's some great points. Uh, you, your comments about the article, are we working so much more at home? It makes me wonder, is are, is that just gonna lead to burnout? And if people are burnt out, does that actually reduce their productivity? So I think we have to find an interesting balance there. Uh, much like you, I've actually been working from home for about 10 years. So I've seen firsthand where it's more productive or less. And I'll say right now, it's even harder to be productive, as you mentioned, because my kids are home in the other nine years that I've been doing, a lot of the times they were at school. So that impacts the productivity as well. But I just add one other thing when it comes to productivity at home versus work, and that is around creative projects. So it's one thing when you're in an execution stage and the, the deliverables are clear and you need to execute on something. But when you're trying to create and trying to ideate around a solution, I find that it's actually much harder virtually. It's not impossible for sure, but you don't have the same sort of creative juices when you're in the same room. You can almost talk over each other when you're in person and still understand each other, where in the virtual, you can't really do that. And so I think that's one of the challenges we see with the at-home environment that maybe is a little harder from the creative side. Yeah, no, very, very true. And and I've uh, spoken to a lot of my uh, colleagues, uh, particularly there are a few who are onboarding new team members right now, and they are going through this onboarding process. And it makes a lot of difference uh, to be in a room and be face to face. Um, I, I know we have been trying to use video to get over some of those non-verbal aspects of communication. And it may work if if it's like you and me sitting and the two people trying to um, have a conversation. But if it's uh, like five people trying to brainstorm, then I yeah. think you're right. It's a whole different ball game, and obviously uh, um, it becomes more challenging. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to talk about here for sure. And, you know, as we kind of move forward, like you brought up something really interesting about what's your home workspace look like? So let me ask you, and you know, and maybe I, you know, I'll start even with the answer, but does the device make a difference in the at-home work environment? And to me, it's all the difference. Uh, I think it's interesting that when someone goes from a work environment that has a nice desk with a great chair and, you know, they may be multiple monitors or other things like that, they can be more effective. And then they say, oh, well, I could just work at home and do the same thing. And then they're sitting on a stool at a counter with a laptop without, uh, without a real mouse. You know, it's like that really matters, not to mention that the laptop doesn't 
doesn't have all the applications uh, of the desktop at, at, at work. Uh, and so, you know, I think those are some of the challenges people face when they haven't implemented the right at-home environment. What, what's your take on it? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think um, your point, it's one thing to work one day from home or make, maybe take that Friday off and work from home where you could be sitting on your couch or in your in your backyard and, and just do some work. But it's a whole different thing to be able to work five days a week and put eight to 10 hours a day um, from home and be, this, be the equally productive. And a lot of these things that you are mentioning is that the home office set up, whether, whether you are, you are sit or work or, I mean, ideally you should stand and work periodically, right? And, and so do you have a desk that supports it, right? And we have seen some of the, some of those, uh, you know, like, um, like I myself, when I started to set up my home office, uh, I think in, in, a, in, in a, a couple of months, I figured that I, I got to be able to um, stand and work. So I bought a valid desk for myself. Um, nice. but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just helps you, you know, uh, stretch your legs a little bit. But coming back to that, that, that core, uh, you know, what is your core setup and how does the device then, along with the accessories, help you to be truly productive? There's a couple of aspects to it. One is, um, you know, as organizations think about this as uh, enabling a remote workforce, what kind of devices are you providing to your employees? And is that device uh, ready? To um, it does does it have the level of apps and access to resources to to make them truly productive? And that's a big thing because um, you know if I look at general industry industry stats, if you look at help desk calls, fifty percent of the help desk calls today across the industry is for issues related to VPN and issues related to password resets and application access. Those three things typically makes up for the biggest volume of calls that you get. And if you imagine every call is, is, is a user who is unable to do something and is unproductive from a user standpoint, and it's also a, a workload or a, or a burden on your IT help desk staff. So the lesser number of calls, the better. And so uh, as you think about the device, yeah, you got to have a device that is that has the right specs. But beyond that, the level of access you have to applications and the level of uh, self-service you put in uh, is is equally important. I'll I will mention just a couple of points around the device itself. Um, Dell has been uh, uh, we have had a connected workplace program for a very long time internally within Dell Technologies. Um, I know when I joined the organization 12 years back, um, we were already on a path towards remote workforce. And to the extent that, you know, it started with every employee getting a laptop versus a desktop. Now, how, what kind of laptop you get and what are the specs typically should depend on your work profile or your persona. So the company did a lot of work in defining personas. Now, I, for one, uh, my work profile is such that I use, at least prior to 
what is happening right now, at least all of last year, I probably traveled around 60 to 70% of my time. And, and so I needed a system which is thin and light and is um, it, it has connectivity and the security. I probably, I'm not running any very compute intensive workload, but I need my standard workloads like my Outlook, my, my PowerPoint presentation, my Excel worksheets to load fast, so responsive. And so based on all of those things, uh, I know the, uh, internally within Dell, there was a big effort to define personas and tie users to personas. So my persona as a sales and business development um, um, uh, you know, uh, employee it was uh, meant that I have a thin and light device uh, from a spec perspective, maybe even a mid-range processor, but with a high RAM so that my device is fast. Um, also, some of the smaller things you can do there, as you think about a remote workforce, things like, uh, uh, you know, um, like Intel has something called the Intel vPro, which lets you manage these devices remotely. A small investment when you buy the PC, but what it enables you use is more control on the on the device, particularly when employees are working remote. Things like remote updates and patches, out-of-band management, right? Even when the device is powered off, it is possible for a IT, like a Dell IT help desk employee to log in remotely to the device to service it. And so it kind of goes back into the selection of device and some of the factors to, to think about. Yeah, I love that you did personas. I mean, we do that in marketing a lot. So it's fascinating to think about doing that. And, you know, so many IT departments that I talk to go around and just implement one device because they only want to support one and they want it interchangeable and the support structure to be easier. But, you know, you need to get a little more personalized with it, especially with the explosion of devices. I think there's another angle that we haven't even talked about that's really interesting as well, and that's around security. I can already hear my CISOs just their heads are exploding as the, all these devices go on these home networks. So I think that's where a virtual desktop environment is really great so that the virtual desktop remains pristine and HIPAA compliant and all of the things that we need in healthcare while their kid may, you know, sneak the device and start playing some video game or watching YouTube on it. So I think that's another angle that the device really matters. So yeah, it's yeah. a great discussion. And if you're just tuning in right now, uh, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and special guest host Shushmid Paul. We're excited to have a, a first time we've ever had a guest host uh, here. So this is pretty exciting. And I want to just take a moment to thank our sponsor, Dell Technologies. If your organization is finding the shift to remote work challenging, De Dell Technologies can help. The ability to fully support a remote workforce is essential to maintaining business continuity. And man, if that's not the understatement of the decade, right, <laughs> in this time. Well, it turns out well over half of their global team works remotely. We've been talking about that with Shishmid. So, so really, the, you know, Dell Technologies can offer you know-how to implement your own flexible digital workplace. You can learn more about Dell Technologies and how they can help you at delltechnologies.com slash healthcare. So, I mean, it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, what what a great tie-in that you guys are eating your own dog food, right? And, and you have your own uh, work, work, you know, remote workforce that you've been working on that provide some great experiences for you. But, you know, as we talk about this, what do you need to 
to deliver access to applications remotely. What are you seeing customers in healthcare in particular, you know, doing to to be able to deliver these applications remotely that would be different than if they were on site? Um, yeah, and and uh, in in some ways this also ties back to the personas because if you have defined a persona, so let's say um, a nurse versus a clinician or even within clinicians, a neurologist versus a pediatrician, right? There is a, a probably a difference in the types of applications you need to access and the way you would access it, whether you would do it on-prem inside a hospital within your network, or is it a clinic that you would visit, or maybe, maybe you, uh, you are that neurologist who gets a call in the middle of the night because there's a patient in the ER, a stroke patient, and you need someone to remotely diagnose that patient. So it kind of comes back to uh, our ability to understand that user, the work profile, and things like how, what, what is the level of remote access you need? What applications are you using? Now, when it comes to applications, uh, there is a pretty broad range. There are some applications which are already web-enabled and are delivered as a as software as mm -hmm. a service. And all you need for that application is a browser. Uh, but there are others where you have to have a session-based technology, maybe a, uh, like a VMware Horizon or a Citrix uh, to be able to, and most EMRs like Epic and Cerner are, are, are based on uh, a session technology. And then there are legacy apps, which still requires you to download that application on the device and be able to run it more locally. And so um, as you think about that application spectrum and there are different strategies to think about where you know your SaaS applications, it needs a central portal and all you need to ensure is you have a, a good single sign-on and, and a authentication portal uh, to validate the user as you give, ac give them access to that web app. Uh, on the other hand, the Citrix technology and the VMware um, uh, virtual, virtualized apps um, again, could be made available through a similar portal. But at the same time, you need to ensure that the endpoint can uh, um, yeah, can, can deliver that session-based uh, experience. You know, you have to worry about things like um, uh, peripheral attachments. So what if I uh, want to use a barcode scanner or maybe a nuanced dictation mic uh, to work on my EMR and do and, and transcribe on the EMR, how will that work if I'm using a, a tablet or if I'm using a non-Windows environment that does not support the drivers? So there again, there are many technologies. I think it's a pretty mature field uh, where you could be doing USB pass-through and all the drivers are executed at the back end, but still it introduces a level of complexity where um, and that you need to plan for. So coming back to just a brief mention about Dell and, and the way we looked at, I mean, obviously our environment is probably not as complex as a hospital, um, uh, but there are certain investments that was made which uh, really positioned us to uh, scale in that remote workforce. Uh, things like uh, the VPN infrastructure, I think that is hugely critical. And, and a lot of hospitals struggled with that. As soon as uh, you know their non-clinical workers started working from home, the VPN infrastructure got overburdened. And to be able to then plan for it is, a, is, is something very important. 
And then VPN comes with some of its own challenges, and that's where we we, uh, we generally advise to have a, a, a platform that has VPN tunneling built in, right? So that you log into the single uh, unified portal, and that has VPN built in, single sign-on built in. That kind of gives a better user experience. And then the last thing I'll mention here is uh, around the the edge networking. You know, all of these things is great. You may have the best device, you may have all of the access, but if you do not have a reliable network, then that becomes the bottleneck. And so a lot of organizations are thinking in that direction, like software-defined networking is, is one of the you know, areas to look at uh, as you think about it. And I keep going back to what you said uh, in the previous section around, how are we going to support all of this? And, and you know, it's great if your application is web-enabled and you can deliver that application remotely through a web browser. But what about access to it? What about the single sign-on uh, you know, options that are available? Is that available on your remote workspace? Or do you need a Citrix or a VMware uh, applic you know, environment where it's all built in and you do it once and you, you get into it? You, know, you highlighted, obviously, the VPN connection into some sort of remote application as well. You know, the complexity and the number of applications that healthcare organizations have to log into is just enormous. And you know, yeah. the most frustrating thing you can give anyone that is working remotely is, I can't access the applications I need to. So I, I think that's such a, an interesting challenge. But you know, as you as we you know move forward, I, I think we, it's clear to everyone that we're going to have to support some remote infrastructure and some remote working, whether that's ongoing and it's just going to last, or whether it's going to be burst because new crises or new challenges uh, or new uh, situations come up that require you to maybe even burst your remote workforce. So, you know, how do you suggest planning on, you know, for this type of thing uh, so that you can really scale to these changing demands and be able to support, at the end of the day, I guess it's business continuity that we're looking to support here uh, for an organization where you're not sure what the future is going to bring. Uh, you know, I guess for me, I look at it and say, well, the cloud options are incredible because you can often burst your cloud to support a bunch of remote workforce desktops, whereas you may not need them if they're coming into the office. So I think that's, a, to me, an interesting example in how to view it. And you know, part of you know creating a a good cloud strategy is probably key to being able to scale your remote infrastructure. What do you, what do you suggest on that? Yeah, and and uh, and that's. Uh, um, I, I think what you're describing is sort of the ideal scenario where you have uh, applications that are cloud ready and that can be scaled uh, on demand and can be remotely accessed over uh, a browser so that the requirement on the endpoint is minimal. Now in healthcare, what we find is uh, just the, the legacy nature of the applications and the fact that a lot of these apps are not web enabled kind of introduces some extra complexity and challenges. And so uh, even if you think about um, a standard, you know, in an Epic environment, for instance, a lot of customers have Epic on-prem. 
Now imagine a situation where you have Epic uh, core database and, and environment is on-prem, but if you have your virtual desktop in the cloud, now you have a remote work for, worker or a clinician trying to access the remote desktop in the cloud and which then goes and, and, and uh, uh, pulls up a session uh, which is in your data center on-prem. So multiple hops, multiple complexity, and imagine um, doing a pass through a USB pass through for a for a, a barcode scanner or, or any accessory that goes through the cloud on prem and back complexity right and and there's lots of opportunity Absolutely. for things to go wrong and and so that's where um, again it's it's a it's a step by step approach it's um, uh, you know if you look at your data center today what we are finding is um, you can be agile i mean the need for agility is 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 absolutely there and to your point cloud makes you agile there is a um, definitely moving into a more software defined architecture for your data center moving into platforms that you can uh, um, scale incrementally in a more non-disruptive way uh, gives you that agility even though you are still on-prem so on, a, on an application delivery standpoint, we see uh, um, VDI and, and we see hyper-converged infrastructure for VDI as, as something that gives you that, that ability to scale incrementally uh, as needed and um, you know, manage more of that VDI stack centrally. So that's one area where uh, you know, Dell Technologies working with uh, Dell EMC and VMware particularly we have uh, put a lot of uh, focus on, on because that's a that's a growing pain point. Uh, the complexity across the entire VDI stack, uh, the the ability to automate some of those lifecycle management and automate the uh, the support structure across that entire stack is is uh, is critical, and that's where a lot of the uh, projects fail. So we have tried to specifically address those things in the level of automation that exists with the uh, with the Dell infrastructure and, and the VMware platforms. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially with the news today coming out of Germany that they had a spike in cases and they're, they're going back to shutdown mode. I think that's just the reality for CIOs today that they have to be able to plan for the unexpected coming in the future. So unfortunately, Shishmed, we're, we're out of time now, but uh, thank you for being our guest host. And, Thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. I want to thank Dell Technologies for sponsoring today's episode. You can learn more about Dell Technologies and their remote workforce products at delltechnologies.com slash healthcare. Again, that's delltechnologies.com slash healthcare. And to find more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITESM. I'm John Lynn with my special guest host, Shishmid Paul. Thanks for listening and have a great week.